as we focus on worship through his word, through music, as we continue this morning recognizing what God is doing for us, we'll be looking in 2 Thessalonians as we move into the next little book here that this letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. And this time period is shortly after his first letter. And Paul is again responding to some of the same issues that were earlier in that this was a church that was in a really desperate situation, that they were getting extreme persecution. They were getting attacked from different ways and different angles. And Paul was writing once again words of ultimate importance to give them renewed hope and understanding that no matter what they were facing, if they stayed focused on Christ, it was okay. And to recognize that Christ would not leave them behind in any way, shape, or form in his kingdom. And so as we look into this, this time period, we're looking in 2 Thessalonians. We'll start with chapter 1 and begin with verse number 3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you're enduring. All of this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed, this includes you because you have believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's Paul is recognizing they've had trouble. They've had suffering in many ways in different capacities. But all the suffering that they have dealt with was due to their faith. And Paul reminds them of Jesus Christ also suffered for their benefit. And that as we, as they, and as we as Christians suffer for whatever cause, we have an, a connection understanding that we are unified in Christ in that suffering. And that as Christ suffered for us, it is not unreasonable to expect that we may suffer as well. Kind of not a a great rousing sermon to say, follow Jesus and you will, you will suffer. But that's what Paul is, is saying here. That because of following Christ, that there will be hard times that come from society and the world around us. And it's okay. You see, Christ suffered as well. And as we deal with what comes our way, it's okay. 
One of the things, though, that as we deal with hardship, as we deal with suffering and different um, things, a very, very important thing to understand is understanding who does God love? Who does God love? Who did God send his son into the, the world for? The whole world, right? So God loves everyone, and God is calling everyone into his love, into his family, into his kingdom. So one thing that's really important to understand, that as if we're suffering at the hands of other people, whether it's issues that we're dealing with in family, dealing with at work, dealing with with neighbors, dealing with all sorts of things. As we, we go through life, we will have conflict in different ways and shapes and forms. Paul is reminding that if we stay focused on the love of Christ, then that is the best hope of bringing the love of Jesus to those around us who are actually causing us suffering. And it's so easy to get lost in that fact. It is so easy to get lost in understanding that, you know, I'm suffering and what is happening to me is the most important thing. But actually through the suffering of Christ, grace came to the whole world. Through our own suffering is an opportunity for the people around us to see how we respond and to understand who Jesus is. By the grace that we deal with our suffering and how we deal with conflict how we deal with tragedy, how we deal with health issues, how we deal with all things in our life, those are opportunities for us. Opportunities with authenticity, because these things are all frustrating. These things hurt. These things can cause great angst in our lives. And we don't want to gloss over that and to say that doesn't exist. But as we authentically deal with that, and allow Christ to come into our lives to help us to deal with that in really healthy and faithful ways. It's opportunities for those who may be causing us pain to get a glimpse of who Jesus is. In many ways and capacities, as Jesus taught over and over, turn the other cheek, walk the second mile, and these are opportunities to help the others understand who Christ is. Um, Andy Stanley, um, son of Charles Stanley, came out with a book just last week, and it was, it's called um, Not In It to Win It. Not In It to Win It. And the main point that he's making within this book is that we can get confused and think that we're, as we're living life, we need to win every argument, we need to win every conflict that comes along. And he points out that, that Jesus did not live his life that way. As Jesus was facing his ultimate trial on the cross, as the song says, Jesus could have called, called 10,000 angels to come and rescue, rescue him from the, the cross that he was facing. But he chose not to. He chose a path that actually brought him more suffering and more anguish. And he did that for me and for you and the whole world as an opportunity. So when we face conflict, when we face pain, it's an opportunity to understand the big picture isn't for us to, to win, to try to keep on moving on. But as we live the way that Christ calls us to live, it's an opportunity for the other person 
to get a glimpse of who Jesus is by how we live and how we respond. Because very often when we do win any conflict that we're in and, and we're right and we make that really clear that, that we won and we're right, very often Jesus doesn't win. You know, love doesn't win, grace doesn't win in that situation. So it's really important that as we face trials of all types to recognize it's okay not to win and it's okay to lose because sometimes that is the best way for Christ to be exalted and for Christ to be brought out clearly in the situation because the world wants to win. But in the ultimate war, in the ultimate battle of love that Jesus is offering all of us, he's already won, we've already won. So there's nothing for us to win. When we really understand that, there is nothing for us to win because we have already won. And as we approach each situation that is causing strife and struggle in our lives, we can recognize it's okay. Christ is one. I have won already. And so then it's easy to turn the other cheek when we're struck because we've already won. It's easy when someone asks that mile of us, that mile walk, to go the second. Do you understand the, the phrasing behind that? I've mentioned, but it's been a long time ago. So within the Roman law, there are several laws they had to help their soldiers out. So if soldiers are marching and they're on, you know, they've got their heavy backpack with their, their stuff and they're carrying their gear, well, they made a law. They didn't want to be too oppressive, but a, a Roman soldier, to get a break, could grab any citizen and say, hey, you, carry my stuff. And then... By law, that citizen had to carry their stuff for a mile to give the soldier a break as they are traveling. But the law said only one mile. And Jesus is pointing out, I've already won. When they ask you to walk one mile with their stuff, walk two miles. And while you're, while you're walking that second mile, tell them why you're walking the second mile. He didn't say that, but that's what's implied. That as we are going that second mile of love and dealing with what we have to deal with, when we behave the way that the cross asks, us, asks of us to behave, it makes people question. It makes us look weird. It makes us look different from the rest of the world. And as we look different and questions come up, why are you doing that? Why are you behaving this way? Why did you leave this career when you're doing so well and being so successful to be a missionary? That's weird. That's strange. Why are you doing this and being so generous and nice to this person when they've been so rotten to you? We have an answer to that. And that's because of love of Christ who is in us. You see, Jesus chose to live in a way that brings love and salvation to others. And you get to participate in that. Some ways are extreme. Years ago, in, in lieu of, of school shootings, there was a young man who got an assault rifle. And this made the news only for a little blip because it was a non-event. But here's what happened. 
he shot into a school. The doors were locked. He shot through the glass, and he went into the office area, preparing to go into the rest of the school. And the church, or the church treasurer, the school treasurer was there helping out because of the busy rush in the morning with students coming in. And she saw the gunman coming in. And instead of trying to, to win, she recognized that this is a person that God genuinely loved. And as he came up with his gun, she cheerfully introduced herself and said, Hi. And he was taken back by how she was responding so cheerfully to them. And they started a conversation. And she asked his name. And so then they're on a first name basis. And she asked what was going on. They talked for 20 minutes. Standing there as police came and surrounded the school. And they continued to talk. And then as he mentioned things that he was going on in his life... She actually started mentioning things that she had just learned at, this was Monday morning, things that she had learned at church on Sunday. And she was sharing with him a message of good news, of love. And another 15 minutes goes by, and she has him on the floor with the hands behind his back, with the gun on the other side of the room, and the police come in to arrest him. I'm like, wow, that should be on the news all the time. But since no one was shot, it wasn't very long on the news. As reporters were asking her in confusion, how did you do this? She pointed out that she made a new friend. And that she promised that she would go see him in jail and in prison. And they're like, well, you're not really going to do that, are you? And she said, yes, he really is my friend. Because she came to him with total authenticity. And she wasn't doing anything fake. She had so much love of Jesus in her heart that she was able to transform this young man and stop him from making a horrible, horrible mistake that would potentially end the lives of many people. You see, the power of Jesus is the most powerful thing in the universe. The power of his love and compassion, the power of the cross. I want to challenge all of us. Are you fighting to win? Are you fighting to always be on top? I want to challenge all of us to fight for love because Jesus has already won. And to look at really to win, to win is live in a way where every person that we see, we see with the eyes of Jesus and the eyes of love. So that when they're being ugly in our direction, we can still see them with eyes of Jesus and eyes of love. Because of the strength that is in here, not because of us, but because of Jesus, then we can confront and love that situation because we're wanting to do what's best for them, not what's best for us, because the best has already been done for us. Nothing greater can be done for us than what Christ has done on the cross. So very often, our response to the situations that we have to face are actually critical. Critical for the ones who are pressing. Critical for them. 
I know Ansley tells me some things that she learns in school and psychology that she's learning. She said one of the interesting facts is that as um, POWs and others come out of war and suffer um, hardships, sometimes under you know, um, torture and other things, but they've actually found those who are doing the torturing suffer as much post-traumatic stress as the ones who are tortured because we're not made to be that mean to each other and to suffer those things against each other. And I want to point out a fact is that those who are doing hardship to you are suffering and are experiencing trauma in their lives or they wouldn't be so harsh to you. So for us to understand how to respond, we understand in love and compassion. And that the, the, the love that we have experienced can be hope for them as they have experienced what they've experienced. But as we sometimes in our own pain can start trying to win again and try to come on top of ourselves and allow um, pain, suffering to draw our attention away from Christ. So I want us to, to think carefully, what is drawing my focus off of Christ and making it turn back to me? What is it that's drawing my attention and my focus off of Christ? And I want us to think about that question this morning as we look at who Christ is calling us to be. As we sing our, our last song, I want us to recognize the power of love that we have. And ask yourself, what is causing me to lose focus? What is it that I'm allowing to take my eyes off the cross? Is it my own pain? Is it my own suffering? Is it lack of forgiveness that I've done to another person? But what is it that's drawing my attention away from Christ and wanting me to win? And then pray about how do I turn that over to Christ so I truly already feel that I have all the victory. Dear Heavenly Father, as we look to you as our only source of the win that you have already won for us on our behalf. So God, as we face whatever we have to face, may we do so with an understanding of the joy that you bring to us, of knowing the answer to all ultimate questions of life, of liberty, of death. You have already given us those things in your kingdom. So God, as we worship you now, may we take our eyes of our, off ourself and put them solely on you. In your precious name of Jesus, amen.